you take your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 9. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 9. Give you a minute to get there. Matthew, chapter number 9, we want to read uh, verses 9 through 13 here. Matthew 9, verse number 9 says, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." You know, there are many people across the world today who, even though they are physically sick, lack the ability to be able to do something about their sickness. In many countries, especially third world countries, people lack the availability of what we might consider the basic essentials of health care. Many have no access to a doctor to help with illnesses of any kind. And that may be because care is either not available to them or or care is not affordable to them. And because of that, we know we have some missionaries. We've got a couple of missionaries that uh, once a year, once or twice a year, they'll have a, a medical clinic, and uh, they'll invite folks to come to the medical clinic, and they'll, uh, say they can get some help from a doctor, plus they can get some spiritual help at the same time. Today in our country, we have some of the best health care ever available to mankind since time began, and I think of our, our granddaughter Callie and the surgery that she had at four days old at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. If she had been born in most times of the, the uh, history, she would be dead. But she's alive and she's living and she's uh, 14, almost 14 years old or 14 years old. And uh, uh, praise the Lord for uh, keeping her and then uh, my brother, many of you know that my brother had a heart transplant surgery about two, two years ago. And there was a time when they couldn't do something like that. But we live in a time where, where it's, it's a wonderful time to, if you're going to have uh, needs that you can have uh, your health care taken care of. But there are many people who die prematurely of curable diseases. Now, I want you to listen up. So, some of them die because they can't afford the health care. Many, however, die not because they have no doctor, not because a cure is unavailable, and not because they can't afford it, but they die because they ignore the warning signs. Something's going on in their body, and they don't know what it is, but they don't take the time to seek out help about it. They deny that there's anything wrong with them, so they don't see the need to go to the doctor, or at least not immediately. So they end up dying of illnesses that may, maybe could have possibly been cured had they sought medical attention early enough. We know it happens. 
But I want you to understand this morning, there's a greater sickness than physical sickness. Okay? I'm not here to talk about physical sickness. I'm here to talk about spiritual sickness. Spiritually sick or sin sick, we might call it. Sin is the original sickness that has always been and still is an epidemic. It's a worldwide problem because all have been infected by sin at their birth. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now I want you to understand, man's sin is terminal. It's terminal. The end is always the same. When, when, sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death, according to James 1.15. However, there is a cure that was authored by one great physician who by the sacrifice of his own self, made a way so that anyone infected by this illness of sin might live. And that great physician is Jesus, and we see him here in the passage that we're dealing with this morning. There are many who have heard of the cure and have recognized their need for it and have received this cure that only the great physician can offer. Those who have believed and received the gospel now have assurance of eternal life. What a blessing that is. There are those also, many, who have recognized maybe their need for a cure, but have never heard that there is but one cure available. Listen, Jesus is it. He's the only cure available that works. I mean, there's folks that uh, try their own remedies hoping to be cured, but they eventually die in their sin and are hopelessly lost for eternity because there is but one cure. There are also... Many who may never have come to grips with this illness called sin. They deny the symptoms in their own life. They deny that the end will come to them. They don't seek out the great physician because they don't see the need. They will die in their sin, hopelessly lost for eternity if they don't trust Christ. There are others who have come to grips with their illness, but they put off coming to the great physician. They say, I I intend on getting saved one day, but just not today. They'll put it off. Today's not convenient. There are other pressing matters for them to attend to. After all, this illness doesn't seem so bad to them, and there appears to be plenty of time left to take care of the illness. Many others have lived for many years with the illness. However, if the illness brings forth the result in a time unexpected, which death does that way often, then the result is the same, death, eternal death. Jesus is the great physician though. He alone is the remedy for sin. And we must get the word out to those who don't know about their illness. We must get the word out to those who don't know about the cure. Everybody needs a doctor. He is is the doctor. Jesus is. He's the doctor that's always in. The doctor that is always available. And the challenge is to get folks to see their need and to come to the doctor for the remedy. Now to the scripture. Verse number 9. We see the Savior called a publican to follow him. Notice verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. That means he was a publican that was a tax collector. And he, he said in him, follow me. And he arose and follow him. We find here that Jesus saw this publican by the name of Matthew. He's also known as Levi. 
and he's sitting at the receipt of custom, and Jesus said, follow me. I want you to understand that publicans were Jewish tax collectors for the Roman government. They worked for the Roman Empire, but they worked extracting taxes from their own people. And because of that, that led to them being hated by their fellow Jews for, for several reasons. Number one, publicans were hated because they were Jews who collected taxes from Jews. And the Roman Empire was a despised empire by the Jews. They didn't like the Roman Empire ruling over them. And, and they, they viewed that these publicans that were collecting taxes were nothing more than traitors. They considered them traitors to their own country. Publicans were also hated because they were notoriously dishonest. They were known to extract more than what was really due to the Roman Empire. Their authority to collect taxes from the Roman Empire allowed them to abuse their authority by doing that. The Romans really didn't care. You, you, you extract what you can out of them. As long as there's no upheaval in society, we're okay with it. That was the Roman Empire view. And so the publicans would take it to the very edge and, and get what they could get out of folks, and so they were dishonest. A lot of times extracting more than they should. In fact, in Luke 3 and verse 12 and 13, Jesus uh, was talking to some publicans who came by to him. It says, Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. He said, You know, you need to turn from what you were doing and collecting more than you should, and you need, you need to turn back to, to, to being honest. Later, when the publican Zacchaeus, remember the little short guy that climbed up the sycamore tree? He was a publican too. And when he got saved, uh, the scripture records that he was so changed by Christ that he was moved to restore fourfold what he had taken by false means. Now Jesus didn't tell him he had to do that, but in his own heart he knew it was the right thing to do. So publicans were hated because they were considered traitors to their own people and really, they were considered apostates to the faith. I mean, if you, if you didn't follow uh, God's law, and they were not following God's law, they were, they were uh, a covetous, they, they stole. I mean, it was, uh, that's the, what they were doing. Both Mark and Luke refer to Matthew as Levi, his other name. Levi, which leads us to believe that Levi was the name that was given to him by his parents, connecting him with the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe that was set aside for sanctuary service. It kind of makes you think, you know, a lot of times we name our kids uh, something that we, uh, we hope that, uh, for some things in their life. And I think probably they had some aspirations of, of uh, Levi or Matthew uh, for his life. But Levi had degraded his holy name by choosing the hated profession of being a publican. Now there can be little doubt that Levi or Matthew was a great disappointment to his family. You know, um, and when, when he became a publican, I just imagine that his mom and dad had... Uh, disowned him because that was the thing that they, they would normally do. That's because publicans were so hated 
that they were classified, listen to this, they were classified as sinners. Now, when the Jews used that term, they, they used it to refer to people who were living in open sin. You know, just right there in your face. You could, just, you, you could see it. They said, those are sinners. Um, included the harlots. Included the heathen. Uh, they were all despised by the Jews. And they were especially despised by the Pharisees, the, the religious uh, Jews. But even Matthew, being considered a low-life sinner by society that he lived in, Jesus called Matthew to follow him. Think about that. Jesus saw him, Jesus called him. We see the Savior called a publican to follow him. Second thing we see in the latter part of the verse, there, the very last phrase, uh, it says there, and he arose and followed him. So we see that Matthew responded to Jesus' call by actually following him. And understand there's a good chance that Matthew had already heard a lot of things about Jesus. After all, Jesus was already causing quite a stir, uh, even though this was very early on in his ministry. And after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, uh, the scripture says that he was tempted uh, 40 days of Satan in the wilderness. And then he, the first thing he does, he goes back to his hometown and uh, goes to the synagogue there. And uh, Jesus, it says in uh, Luke 4.14, 4, Jesus returned in power to, uh, of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about. So fame was getting out. Word was getting out about Jesus. Jesus was becoming known for his teaching in the synagogues and really even for getting thrown out of his hometown synagogue. I mean, when he went there, he read a passage of Scripture. He said, you know, this is being fulfilled right now in front of you. He was talking about himself. And he spake some things there that they got mad at him about. And they threw him out. In fact, they would have thrown him off a hill uh, but uh, he was able to pass through the crowd of them. And by the way, you know, in, in a sense, there are folks who are still um, not receiving the things that God says very well in our day and time too. I mean, you try to share the Word of God, oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to listen to that. Uh, Jesus, though, went from Nazareth to synagogue in, uh, in Capernaum, and he taught there, and Luke 4.32 says, And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Why? Because he was the living word. The, 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 the written word comes from the living word, and he was the living word speaking uh, uh, the word of God. And Je then when Jesus was there at the synagogue in Capernaum, Jesus commanded an unclean spirit to come out of a man that was there in the same synagogue. Luke 4, verse 36 and 37 says, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. So we see words getting out even more. The more Jesus ministers, the more that he does, the more word is getting out. Luke 4, verse 40 and 41 records Jesus healing all kinds of sick people and casting devils out of a lot of them. And you think any of them had anything to say about Jesus whenever they went back to their, their houses? Uh, I believe that they were talking about what Jesus was doing. Luke 5, verse 12 through 14 records that Jesus healed a man who was full of leprosy. Think about that. 
leprosy was seen as an incurable disease that if you got cured, God was the one that cured you. And, and, and Jesus, God in the flesh, cured that man. Cured him of his leprosy. And Luke 5 verse 15 says, uh, So much the more there went out fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So listen, word was getting out about Jesus and what he was doing, and that he was believed by some to be the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. There was prophecies, plenty of prophecies saying the Messiah what would, how you could recognize the Messiah. And they were, got excited when Jesus arrived on the scene that, is this the Messiah? And a lot of them believed that he was the Messiah because he is the Messiah. Listen, you know what else? I, I think Matthew knew of Jesus because Jesus didn't say anything else to him. Think about it. There was no, hello Matthew, my name's Jesus. There was no introducing himself to him. He just walks up to him and he says, follow me. And he left and, fo and followed the Lord Jesus. It says here in verse 9 that he arose and followed him. Luke's account says in Luke 5, 28, and he left all and rose up and followed him. I'm going to take those three things here. We see Jesus changed Matthew's life that day. When you start following Jesus, your life changes. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, uh, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And that was true for, for Matthew. He, he left all. I want you to think about this. That included him leaving that which had made him a dishonest living. He left it behind. He disassociated himself from being a publican altogether from that point forward. He was going in a new direction. He said, you know, it was like, I've had enough of this. I need Jesus. And so he left all. He rose up. Listen, Matthew didn't delay. We don't find him saying, well, let me finish what I'm doing here. He didn't say, I'm going to have to think about that a little bit before I uh, decide what I'm going to do. He didn't say anything to that effect. And he couldn't very well follow Jesus and stay where he was doing what he did. He was either going to get up and follow Jesus and have his life changed or he was going to stay where he was and be what he had always been since he became a publican. So he left all, he rose up, he followed Jesus. Listen, following Jesus became the primary thing of what Matthew's life was from that point forward. That was his primary thing. Previously, his life was all about tax collecting and making good but dishonest money doing it. But from that point forward, we see his life was all about following Jesus. In fact, we find that he followed Jesus as a disciple. A disciple is one who learns from another. And he, along with the other 11 disciples that Jesus named, they sat up under Jesus' teachings and preachings and they walked with him every day. We find not only that he followed Jesus as a disciple, but we find that he served Jesus. Look at verse number 10 of our text there. It says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now listen, Matthew's not going to brag here, but Mark and Luke bragged on him a little bit. Okay? When they told this story, they said that where this house was, as this was his house. He's the one that put on this big dinner and invited his friends. 
he was serving Jesus. Luke 5.29 says that he made a great feast in his own house for Jesus. But we don't see him bragging about that in this book that he penned. Yeah, Matthew, the one we're talking about, penned one of the, one of the Gospels. Uh, we find that he invited his fellow lowlifes to his house. And he invited the other disciples also to eat with Jesus. Not only did Matthew begin to serve Jesus, but he invited others who were publicans and sinners to come and eat with Jesus. In fact, Luke 5 verse 29 says that he made a great feast in his own house and there was a great company, a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. Mark's gospel in Mark 2.15 says that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, talking about Levi's house, Matthew's house, says many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, where there were many, and they followed him. So with him making a lot of money, he had a pretty big house. But he began using that house for the glory of the Lord. He put on this dinner. First thing he did, he invited others that had been just like himself. Matthew knew that there were many people like himself who needed Jesus Jesus looked beyond who and what Matthew was and called him to himself. Matthew afforded his associates and his fellow ne'er-do-wells, if that's what you want to call them, the same opportunity to hear Jesus and be invited by him as well. We who have come to Jesus must see that there are many people just like us who need Jesus. In fact, listen, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus in their life. Then we see in verse 11, notice verse 11, we see the problem that the Pharisees had with Jesus. It says in in verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw it, in other words, they saw this big party that Matthew was putting on and all these publicans and sinners going in there and Jesus and his disciples going in there. This is what they're commenting on. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? They were appalled that Jesus would even consider such behavior as he was displaying here. You know what Jesus was displaying? He was displaying love. (laughs) That's what he was displaying here. But that was not how the Pharisees saw it. Entering the house of a publican? How outrageous. That was bad enough. Sitting down to eat with publicans and other known sinners? What audacity. (laughs) The same thing happens sometimes today when we try to reach out to those who need Jesus, sinners that are in need of a Savior, because there are still some who are cut out of the same mold as the Pharisees who see things their own way rather than God's way. Who did Jesus say that He came to seek and to save? Those who look like we do? No. Those who live like we do? No. Those who dress a certain way? No. Those who go to all the right places? No. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew, in following Jesus, was seeking for Jesus to save his former associates and others who were sinners because they all needed Jesus. Now the last thing I want you to see is found in verse Number 12 and 13 here. We see the Savior's response to the Pharisees. 
We see first of all in verse 12, Jesus spoke a comparison. Look at verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, see, they were talking to Jesus' disciples, but Jesus heard. When Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, think, about the, think about this comparison here. The picture given. Who needs a doctor? Sick people, right? A person that's sick. Who sees a doctor? A person that sees his need. A person that knows he's sick and seeks out a doctor. Amen? Well, what, how's the picture applied? Well, who needs Jesus? Those that are sinners. They're spiritually sick. Who comes to Jesus? Well, a sinner that sees his need. A person that knows that he's a lost sinner. They, they, he'll, 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 only those come to Jesus. Now listen, by and large, most of the Pharisees did not think that they were sinners. They needed Jesus as well. They might have been religious, but they were just religious sinners. They didn't think that they were sinners and never sought out the Savior for the right reason. They would not come to Jesus and recognize Him as the promised Messiah. And those uh, who didn't, I mean, there were a couple. Nicodemus, we know Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He was a Pharisee. I believe Nicodemus got saved. And I believe the uh, Joseph of Arimathea, the one that, who Jesus was buried in his tomb, those two assisted in Jesus' burial. I believe those two became believers. But by and large, most of the Pharisees didn't want anything to do with Jesus. In fact, they were the reason why uh, Jesus was crucified. They were the ones that had him brought to trial and uh, they, they called for his crucifixion. Jesus, though, gave an explanation. Look at verse 13, and we're done here. Verse 13, But go ye, Jesus says, go ye, telling the, the Pharisees, go ye and learn what that meaneth. Go learn what it means. That they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are to seek. You guys need to think about what I just said, is what he's telling them. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now see, the thing is, is there, there were none righteous. No, not one. Jesus gave the explanation. The Lord is, is looking for more than religious sacrifice. The Lord came not to call those who were righteous in their own eyes, but rather He came to call sinners to repentance. Listen, if you have never called on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, you are in desperate need of the great physician today. It matters not where you are on the sinner scale, you know, uh, whether you're a religious sinner like the Pharisees or a low-life scum of a sinner like Matthew. I mean, he was looked at as being a low-life scum is what he was looked at. Or if you're somewhere in between those two extremes. Romans 3 verse 10 says, There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, come to know Him today. If you've already come to know the great physician, praise God you're saved. But what are you doing for those who are in the same condition you were in? Are you seeing that anybody else comes to know the Lord? Every person comes into this world in need of spiritual healing. Ephesians 2 verse 2 tells us we're, we were born dead in our trespasses and sins. Dr. Jesus 
is the only one who can resurrect men from that spiritual death. That's what he does. He resurrects us by giving us spiritual life. We We were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. And he injected his spiritual life in us. He lay his own life down to pay the wages of our sin. He took his life up again out of the grave by way of the resurrection. And he lives today to give life to those who need it. And you can have eternal life if you'll come to him. If you need him, please come today. If you know him, serve him. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you today.